Hi, Clutter Fairy fans. Welcome to the Clutter Fairy Weekly for January 5th, 2021. I'm your co-host, Ed Gumnick, because I got COVID haircut number three, and so I'm now reasonably presentable. I am speaking with Gail Goddard, professional organizer and owner of the Clutter Fairy in Houston, Texas. Hi, everybody. So I'm just laughing about Ed talking about his COVID haircut. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, so the Clutter Free Weekly is our weekly webcast and podcast where we talk about all things organized, and this is our first episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us again, and we appreciate you're here. And we're going to talk about stuff that has come up from all of your conversations in our social media channels. So we appreciate that you go in there because we're about to use one of those exact chats. Yes, we are. And if you are joining us in the Zoom meeting for the first time, you can share your comments and questions via the chat, and I'll try to make sure Gail gets them before we move on. You can also use the raise hand feature if you'd like to ask a question or make a comment yourself, and we'll enable your microphone and or video so you can be part of the presentation. We're also streaming the webcast live on Facebook, so you can share your questions and comments there, and I'll relay them to Gail. And during the webcast every Tuesday, you can talk to us by calling 669-900-6833. Use meeting ID 993-419-863 and password clutter to join the meeting. Okay, let's let's get to our topic. It's a new year and a new season of the Clutter Fairy Weekly. Welcome to season two. With, with today's episode, we're launching a new recurring segment. We're going to do that at the end, so be sure you stay with us till the end when we'll announce what we're provisionally calling the homework assignment, and we're also going to announce a contest to get you to help us come up with a better name. Because <laughs> y'all are also creative. Right. <laughs> so every week during our live sessions, we have some very lively discussions in the chat, and sometimes the comments start flying fast and furious and it's easy to miss something. So a lot of participants have expressed interest in getting access to transcripts after the meeting to catch up on anything that they might have missed. We're happy to accommodate that request. And so we've included chat transcripts in the show notes for our last few episodes. And those show notes go up at usually at the same time that we publish the podcast and the YouTube video. As I've been preparing the transcripts for posting, though, I've stripped, I've been stripping out participant last names to protect everybody's privacy, and it would save me some work if I didn't have to do that. So I just sort of wanted to announce that if you're okay with having your last name as part of the chat transcript, then you can leave it that way. If you don't want your last name to appear in the transcript, then please change your screen name in Zoom. Um, if you don't want your first name to appear either, you can feel free to anonymize yourself with a clever nickname. So, okay, enough announcements. Speaking <laughs> of chat, speaking of chat, we've been reviewing chat transcripts to dig up topics that we didn't have time to cover adequately in previous episodes. And the conversation from one of our recent episodes inspired today's topic, which is child's play and adult joy organizing your recipes <laughs> we thought we'd cover this topic in greater detail because aside from the instructions to organize your recipes it's really a very big fine sorting project with many steps to get organized and so we'll cover the many fine sorting steps today 
I've seen a ton of recipe piles over the course of my work, and sometimes there's even an inherited recipe pile in addition to the original pile. Decades of recipe clippings inside a box or a cookbook or multiple recipe boxes is a big mess and no one can cook out of that chaos. It's time to step our way through getting the recipes filtered, sorted and usable to inspire your cooking at home. One presumes it's January and you're gonna, you know, everybody always is gonna get healthy at the beginning of the year. And so we often turn back to um, cooking when we've been blowing it off because we've been busy for the holidays. So in honor of your um, refocus of your cooking, here we go. <clears throat> so the first step to doing this process is to filter the recipes. And you wanna do that with a keep toss exercise. So it's a big task in and of itself and you're gonna need some filter algorithms to help you get here. And Ed has offered some of his favorite ones to help you out. And we also pulled some suggestions from the chat that was about recipes. And so the goal here is to find the recipes that you've already tried and approved and find the recipes that you still wanna try. Like that's the end population you wanna get to. And you need to filter the ones that don't qualify as those two. So here's some steps to get you there. This was, this was an Ed one. If you look at a recipe and there are four ingredients that you have to go buy, and especially if you won't use those, those four ingredients for anything else, then that recipe is a no. Why did you add that one in, Ed? Talk to me about that a little bit. Well, and that, you know that my the number four was sort of sort of arbitrary, but right. If you, you know, if you if you're going to have to make a huge investment, and especially if this recipe has been lingering for a long time, because every time you look at it, you say, "Oh, oh well, I have I'm to go buy those four things." Yeah, I'm going to need shiitake mushrooms, and I'm going to need some Asian spice. This, yeah, some chili garlic chili paste and I'm not going to use I don't use those regularly they're not part of my my routine and uh, for me that number is probably three or four if I if I'm gonna have to go buy three or four things for this recipe and then I'm not likely to use them again that's kind of the cutoff and in terms of financial investment that's also a it's a lot of money to spend for a recipe that you're going to try right oh, yeah definitely and so if you can filter that out and go, okay, this is too much monetary outlay for an experiment that I want to do. And my threshold is three ingredients, four ingredients, $50, whatever you want to call your threshold, use it as a way to say, okay, that recipe reads fun, but it's going to cost me too much, or it's going to give me too many ingredients that I don't want to have to go get. And so put it in the no pile, then it goes in the recycle pile. Okay, here's algorithm number two. If there are ingredients in the recipe that one person in the house doesn't like, then that recipe is pretty much a no. <laughs> I mean, if everybody in the house hates mushrooms, then recipes that have mushrooms in them are probably not good recipes to keep. But it can be something more obscure than that, like if it has a chili pepper in it and my husband hates chili peppers, then I really don't want to try this recipe because I'm pretty sure chili peppers are a um, standout ingredient in the recipe, right? And so 
if you've clipped things that sounded like fun and then you look at the recipe list and you realize there's something on there that will annoy, make someone in your household refuse, make someone in your house sick, <laughs> you know, people have bad reactions to stuff. You have to filter for, yeah, I would, I would love to make this bread, but it has XYZ in it that somebody can't eat or won't eat or will refuse to eat or will pitch a fit about eating. And if all those, any of those things are true, then this recipe should probably be a no. This is another Ed filtered one. It says, if the recipe has more than 10 ingredients, Ed says, no, it's too complicated. <laughs> it's too complicated to do. I'm losing interest after 10 ingredients. And the corollary also is, if the recipe is beyond your skill set or beyond the time that you have to spend, or more importantly, the time that you want to spend, if the recipe is going to take three days and that's not your thing, then you probably need to like go, yeah, that reads like a lot of fun, but I'm not spending three days doing nothing and out it goes. So it's right. just a way to decide at what point is it more than you want to deal with. Well, and again, 10 is just a number off the top of my head, but it's more a matter of if you're an experienced cook, you can look at a recipe and determine this is going to be very complicated. And they say, sometimes they say 40 minutes preparation time and you know, you know better, you can read it and, and know, no, that's you going to call take, BS. <laughs> yeah, I'm, going to to, I'm, going to to, I'm going to have to wash things. I'm going to have to peel things. I'm going to have to chop things that I know it's going to take longer than this. And so it's your own, but it's your own threshold. You know, mm -hmm. if you're sort of a weekend cook and you have a few skills, but you know, you can't, you don't know how to, you don't know how to make a souffle work. You don't know how to flip, you know, fold an omelet, then don't hang on to recipes that are beyond where you are is kind of the point there. I, um, our good, our dear friend, Julie, who's a very talented cook mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um she and i would save a few of those you know 17 ingredient recipes with 23 preparation steps for weekend days when we plan to get together and cook with and cook all you know, day the two of us and then sometimes gail as our scullery maid i'm the official scullery maid slash taste tester <laughs> <laughs> They don't let me do anything else. <laughs> oh my That's gosh. not true. I think we've let you wash lettuce, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. You might have let me touch some of the ingredients physically. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> well, and the, so maybe you're a um, maybe you're not a super skilled cook or you only do it on the weekends because that's when you have time. And um my brother-in-law, for instance, really is a very experienced cook, and he loves to do it, but he doesn't do it very much during the week. And, but at the holidays, for instance, like we all benefit from his big experiment. So a couple of times a year, he gets out the serious Alton Brown recipe on how to make a standing rib roast or how to, you know, he will experiment with some big piece of meat. <laughs> and serve it at one of our meals and so that for him is entertainment he likes it. it it takes a long time for him to do the work but he finds that fun in the holidays so if you have certain times of the year when you have time to do a 47 step two-day process good for you and recognize that you know he does it two times a year three times a year when he has some big chunk of time off and he wants to experiment and the rest of the time he doesn't have time for that level of 
focus. And so you don't want to keep 150 recipes that require that much time. You want to keep a much smaller, just like anything else. If you don't have time to do it very much, you don't want a very big collection of options there. <clears throat> okay. Well, and to reiterate, we're you know still talking about the keep toss pass. Yeah, we're at the keep toss pass. Exactly. We're talking about getting, we're talking about ways to winnow your thousand clipped recipes <laughs> down to the 300 that you're going to want to <laughs> go through more that carefully. you just can't let go of, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so true. Okay, so we talked about the skills and we talked about whether you have the time to spend or not. And so if the recipe is beyond your skills or it's beyond the time that you have to spend, then that's going to be a no. That's one of the ways to thin the herd of recipes. The next one is if the recipe requires a tool that you don't have, then that's likely a no as well. Um, you may want to buy that tool, but this is sort of like the ingredients. Like, do you really want to spend, you know, $20, $100 on some fancy tool that you need to do this recipe that you're not sure that you like at the end? You really have to judge if I have to do a specific tool here and I don't have that tool and I got to go spend money on it. It's just like the expensive ingredients that you're not going to use any other time you may not want to go that far. So if it, it, it's a way to thin the recipes as well and, and toss them out. And a corollary to that is if you've saved a lot, a lot of recipes that require something that you've decided not to use anymore, like you had a slow cooker, but you don't use the slow cooker anymore, you mm -hmm. can probably let, and you've decided, you've All made up your mind, if you don't enjoy that, then let the slow cooker recipes go. Right. Um, Anita had a great comment. She said, she talked about having done a big sort and used sheet protectors and pocket pages to put her recipes into a big binder. And only, she's only organized the ones that are tested and, and true or have significant sentimental value. But she says, when I find something I want to try, I toss it up on my cookbook shelf. When the pile falls on my head, I go through it. <laughs> if I really want to try it, it, if I really want to try it, it goes in a skinny folder marked to test. Oh, my gosh. Well, so that's sort of a... <clears throat> initial interest pile that becomes then you go back and filter it again to that I really want to test it smaller pile and <clears throat> if you have the time to do it that way and you want to create a pile and then filter the pile but I think um, you might save yourself getting hit on the head with the recipes falling over if you notice the things that catch your interest and then don't make it past the test zone. There's probably lots of things that you read and go, oh, that sounds cool. But when you stop and look at it a little bit more closely, you realize, okay, that's never going to come to the top of the list. I'm not going to do it for whatever reason that is in your universe. Um, maybe you can try to let it capture your interest and then stop and don't actually clip it and put it on the pile. If you know it's never going to pass muster really, then you know use your experience with years of clipping and stop yourself from clipping something that you're going to have to go back and throw away the other, uh, you know, further down the line after the pile falls on your head, which I think is a hilarious trigger for sorting. <laughs> it's like, that's hilarious. Okay, uh, here's another algorithm. <clears throat> if it only sounds good to you, but you know it won't fly with others in your house, 
again, no, you're going to find things, certain things appealing, but you know that your kids won't eat this or your spouse won't eat this, then, um, you know, good for you. And you probably don't need a big collection of things that you can only cook for yourself because you know, you're not going to have that many opportunities to cook just for yourself. <laughs> oh, of course, you're going to find those recipes that you don't remember why on earth you clipped it or you don't know why on earth your mother clipped it. Those are pretty easy tosses. You know, you had a moment of weakness, you clip something and then you flip back through it as you do this fine sorting and you go, what was I thinking? What was my mother thinking? Oh my God, you've got to be kidding. Those are easy decisions. Toss them out. Janice, who's with us on Facebook said, I remember as a kid, nine years old, I used to collect recipes for my grandma in hand-sewn booklets. Sadly, they were all lost during the cleanup when my grand was moving to live with us. But if I were to organize crop out from magazines, I just get a notebook and stick them as soon as I find them. Now I collect recipes on my laptop in one text file. There you go. Yeah. That keeps, that's a way to keep the clutter down. So um, you want to recycle anything that doesn't hold your interest. I know that people read recipes for entertainment and there's a difference between being entertained by the recipe and actually having that recipe hold your interest as something that you might want to try cooking. So notice the difference. I remember that one client had this cookbook that had all these recipes that were like super fancy, decorative, entertaining recipes that were supposed to look like the end result was very sculpted and pretty. And it was all these really elaborate recipes. And she's like, in my head, when I got this book, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll make some of these. And then she's like, yeah, except not really. <laughs> this is way, it was interesting to read as fun. But there was no way that she was actually going to cook any of these recipes. It was just way too much work for her. And so from that standpoint, it was solely entertainment and not actually a recipe that could be used. And so all people that cook have some recipes that are solely for entertainment. But you probably don't want those in your system. You probably want those somewhere else on a bookshelf and treat them like a book that you read instead of a source for recipes that you would actually cook. Yeah, I think that's. Part of the uh, motivation, too, for some people is reading recipes, especially if they're written by people who include a lot of narrative about their their cooking and recipes or the culture associated with with their, you know, people. A lot of times uh, there are a lot of cookbooks now where people talk about their family traditions, their cultural traditions, and that's fascinating to a cook. And reading those recipes is a really interesting way to understand other people's cultures and other people's lifestyles. So that's an important distinction to make. It's mm -hmm. I read this recipe here with these seven ingredients, I would have to drive across town to an Indian market to buy. I can enjoy this recipe for what I learn from it without actually doing that exercise pretending that you're going to cook it right yeah. like it's it's just like another book that you're reading for your own entertainment and edification and and separating those recipes and those books those cookbooks like that and getting them out of the kitchen and recognizing that this is really just this is just fun reading for me this is not actually cooking source material i will try those things like you know recently I, we have, we haven't found a great carry out hot and sour soup. <laughs> We're only doing carry out restaurants these days. So I got a little adventurous and had to buy several ingredients that I don't normally keep around. And 
read three or four different recipes for hot and sour soup and sort of consolidated them all into one approach of my own and tried it. So I'm not saying you, you know, you, I'm not trying to. You would never do it, right? People, yeah. Well, or, or to suggest that anyone else should, anyone else shouldn't, just to be realistic about the recipes you keep. Well, and and what's really and what really has an entertainment value for that isn't about the cooking; it's about the reading of the cooking, which is a different thing. So, um, hopefully, these algorithms have helped you trigger some of your own algorithms. Um, there are uh, options for you that you can modify however you need them. But the idea is that as you go through all of these recipes, yours and any you inherited from your parents, your grandparents, your auntie. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know that you have a collection. You have multiple collections. If you're over 25, you probably have more than one collection in your house. So um, going through this process to keep and toss what doesn't need to stay here, you, we've given you some choices and hopefully spawn some extras. And so this is going to reduce your pile of recipes by a large portion. And then you're down to the recipes that you potentially want to try that pass muster that are real live possibilities. And so now you need to sort those things that you've decided to keep. So you're gonna sort according to the usual categories and you can make your own list, you know, breads, entrees, desserts, vegetables, however you, however you think of it, side dishes and entrees. Um, it can be the general categories that work for you, but you wanna sort all those recipes that you kept into one of the categories. And so we're gonna talk about one particular category for discussion purposes. Let's talk about dessert because, you know, that's my favorite category. <laughs> As you sort your desserts, you're going to sort those desserts, for instance, if you've sorted everything into the various big categories, and then you can go back and look at desserts. So you want to sort within a specific category. And if you sort your desserts into cakes and pies and cookies and mousse and whatever else, I bet you're going to figure out because you love pumpkin pie that you have 14 pumpkin pie recipes. So as you build these more detailed piles, you can filter out the 14 pumpkin pies and you can choose a few of them to keep. You don't actually need that many options to get a pie to happen. So it's sort of a step two of sorting. You make those categories and then you go into each of the categories and say, okay, of all these desserts, look how many times I clipped pumpkin pie and why don't I thin that herd? Yes, I want a pumpkin pie recipe clearly because I've been, I keep clipping them, but maybe you can decide that you'll keep three of them out of the 14 and then another 11 of them can go in the recycle bin because you found the three best amongst the collection you've got. This will also shrink your collection some more. And this also makes me think of another thing that probably could go in the keep toss pass. If there's an ingredient that you don't like to use anymore, you know? Um, so for example, a lot of recipes call for, a lot of older recipes call for corn syrup, like caro. And nowadays, because that's a, such a high density source of, of sugar and calories. Sugar, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there, you know, it's disputed whether it's any worse than any other other form of sugar. But maybe you've quit using caro. Let's just say you've stopped using corn syrup, 
well, don't keep any recipes that, that have corn syrup in the ingredients. Find something you like better, another Well, form. you can. I'm sure you probably already have a version that doesn't have cor- uh, carrot right. syrup in it, right? right? Like you. Yeah, exactly. Filter for the ones that have the ingredients that you want to use is the point. Tammy says, I'm a create as I go cook and use very few recipes online, but I have to look up each time. That's okay, right? Like if that's a system that works for you, then you're looking them up, which is fine. And then you do your creative process and you get food at the other end. So I think, um, you know, that's a mark of an experienced cook that you can sort of get the suggestion of a recipe and then you wing it and do your own thing, right? <laughs> so you can just um, make it happen after you've just sort of refreshed yourself about what's supposed to be in a recipe. And Nancy said, when my mom passed on in 2006, she, she left behind eight recipe boxes chock-a-block full i tried Mm. to start going through them several times but could never stick with it this year fortunately one of my nieces said she'd like to have them all so i was able to pass along the whole box from the garage to her oh my gosh what a relief oh my gosh yes that saves you a whole lot of trouble right yay happy uh, thank you to the niece for that one that's awesome Okay, so we've filtered via keep toss, and then you've sorted what you've kept, and you've sorted into categories, and you've filtered again at that level when you've gotten all the pieces together of the same kind of thing, you're filtering again. Now you really do have a collection that is sorted of all of the recipes that you want to keep, and those are going to be things that you've already tried and you approve of, and then it's going to be the pile of things that you are going to try someday like you they're they're in the they're in the funnel to potentially get tried out so now you want to put those recipes in a system so you either going to pick a paper version like the recipe boxes we've been talking about or you're going to pick a digital version so i'm going to sort of make a list here Um, some people like to put them in binders with sleep protectors and dividers by section and all there's recipe binders that are pre-prepared like you buy off the shelf with the dividers ready or you can just take a binder and put sleep protectors and slap in and label your own dividers like whatever works for you there Um, there's the traditional little recipe box that has little index cards and people write on those index cards their recipes Um, some people use a recipe box it's actually a flat box with the clipped recipes or the handwritten recipes laid out with dividers in amongst the box. Um, All of those options are paper-centric versions and you just wanna pick the one that you feel like is the most comfortable for you. I think the idea of writing a recipe on a card by hand is some level of a barrier to entry. (laughs) If you don't have the time to copy all of these recipes from your clipping onto a card, then you probably don't want to pick that as an option if you don't think you will ever actually execute the transfer. So when you're picking, pick the one that you feel like you can maintain and keep going over time as you beyond this particular sorting and organizing project, um, then you're going to be adding more recipes in the future and you want to be able to maintain the system that you pick. So pick one that you like. Uh, The uh, online version of this, there's a digital version of it. If you don't want paper, if you want digital, then um, one of our watchers suggested creating a bookmark folder just for recipes. 
And so you can slap those into a folder online. You can scan them to import them into Dropbox or some other online storage. You can scan them to import them into an online recipe app or an online service of some kind. And one of our viewers suggested Paprika 3 as an app. I know there's a million others out there. And um, Ed, you wanted to talk about Google standards. Yeah, um, Google sort of has, I, I'm not sure if they did this on, on their own or in collaboration with others. So my apologies if this, is, this was someone else's project that Google took over as sometimes happens, but there's a sort of now a, an online standard for recipe format where amounts and ingredients and processes get you know properly tagged and get organized which makes them easy to transfer from one site to another one app to another it makes it so tools for organizing your recipes online interact with shopping lists and you know interact with processes to order food for for delivery or pickup or and so on and so that's that's kind of nice um, I go sort of lower tech than that myself which is if I've refined a recipe, if I've tested a recipe and made adjustments of my own, so I, I if I if I like it, I'll just bookmark it and save it yeah, to come back yeah, to yeah. it. But if I make my own changes, then Tweets. I just transcribe it into the Mac OS Notes app. It's not super high tech. It is not to the to the Google standard or anything like that. But the Mac OS Notes which synchronizes between my laptop and my phone and my, my iPad. It includes checklists. So I can sort of include the ingredients as a checklist and then I can, and have the steps in there as well and makes it easy to sort of check things off as I've collected them or, or, you know, prepared them for the recipe. So that's kind of nice. And, and even that is, it's an online thing, but it's, it's an example of, you're using existing tools that weren't designed for recipes. You're using it in a very low tech way and it works just fine. So don't worry about, oh my gosh, I have to have the best recipe app ever. And I want the one that has all the bells and whistles and I want to do it all in here. If you, if you find that entertaining, then awesome and go for it. But you can still have a digital version that is the equivalent of a binder with sleeve protectors and dividers, right? You can modify your existing, use your existing tools online to capture data in whatever way is easiest and most useful to you, basically. Well, and truthfully, this is where I get on my soapbox for a minute. <laughs> a lot of people have decided that they're going to make a million dollars by putting their recipes online. <laughs> and so I have found that a lot of food blogs and recipe sites drown you in advertising. And so that's sort of an argument for even, even if I find a recipe I like and want to use unchanged, I can save myself some hassle by transcribing it into notes because then when I go in the kitchen and I'm reading it off my phone, all I see is the recipe and Jaime actually what he does is if he finds a recipe he wants to try he screenshots the list of ingredients and he screenshots the list of instructions and then he goes in the kitchen and works from his screenshots 
so that which you're then not... filters out all the stupid stupid ads it's well and i totally agree with you i, on under, that. I understand you know people want to, wanting to try and you know make money off of the content that they're sharing but i also don't you know it's it seems to be a real problem with recipe sites in particular that on the phone i'll be looking at the recipe and a pop-up video appears and then a pop-up ad appears and then another pop-up ad appears at the bottom and i'm trying to just read the, this recipe that i'm in the middle of cooking and i have to keep scrolling up and down and clicking to move things out of the way and disappear the the so, advertising and so annoying oh my god it's not yes. it's you know it's it's fine to try to make make some money off of advertising we do it on our youtube videos I, I, <laughs> right I, so i i can't i'd be a hypocrite to criticize that but it seems sort of disrespectful to do it on a recipe where somebody's trying to use your recipe in the kitchen you know and they can't see all the recipe yep and we actually take the we turn off the the advertisements in the middle of the videos because i find it super annoying to be listening to somebody talk and then have it cut away to an, an ad so we purposely don't run ads in the middle because it makes both of us irritated. So <laughs> we totally get <laughs> why you would have trouble with it in the recipe thing. Yeah. A couple of comments while we're paused. Okay. Char Charity, who's with us on Facebook, says, growing up, I have fond memories of sitting with friends and family, reading colorful magazines and books. Now my boys have been transitioning me to cooking off of my phone. Mm. So charities there with us cooking off the phone in the kitchen good job you're learning clover says 99 out of 100 cookbooks in the library should be filed as works of fiction <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> there you go see an experienced cook and you know i think that that's probably true that the more experienced you are cooking the more you can look at the recipe and go Mm, that's not going to work. <laughs> that's not, yeah. that's not going to come together. That's not going to read. That's not going to deliver as advertised. I can tell just from looking at it. So good way to filter it there. If you don't think that it's a realistic recipe, then it's a good way to uh, tell yourself you don't need to have it. And two, two great <laughs> suggestions from Ginger on Facebook. She said there's a project management spiral binder with 24 slash pockets. I use this for recipes. This binder is useful for temporary storage for annual projects, those papers that have no home and won't be kept for more than a year. And then uh, cool. Ginger also suggested, look for the sites that offer a print recipe option. It formats, formats it neatly. You can screenshot a one sheet recipe. That, that is a terrific idea. The, the print option usually either automatically leaves out the ads or gives mm -hmm. you an option to leave out the ads when you print it yeah, and you so can print it. So you can either just take a screenshot of what, what that produces or print a PDF and, and use that. Yeah. And, and it can still be a hundred, it can still become paper or it can become a hundred percent digital. And I think that's a much better thing to do. Um, yeah. If you try to just like print the screens as you go um, inside um, when you're online then you get a much more long, like the recipe that takes up a page becomes eight pages because of the way that the, it's the website is formatted. So much better to go look for that print version that actually says, oh, you want to make a document out of it. Okay, we'll make a document. And it's, it's much easier to follow that way. 
Yeah. Okay. So you got the cookbooks now you've sort, we've been talking about cookbooks, but basically cookbooks need to be sorted just like all of your others. Um, you know, as she said, uh, folk take the cookbooks that are actually fiction and go put them in the entertainment section of your, of your uh, bookshelf and leave the cookbooks that you would actually cook out of in the kitchen. And I, I often find in a, a kitchen that has very limited storage space anyway, that there'll be a cabinet full or a really big shelf full of recipes, um, uh, cookbooks. And it's fun to see the big, long four feet of cookbooks up there. But if you don't actually go into them and use them that way, then it's really kind of wasting some valuable storage in your kitchen. So I would filter the cookbooks for my go-to cookbooks and every cook I've ever talked to is like, oh yeah, I can pull those six cookbooks down that I get into all the time. I return to the favorite recipes are in. It's my favorite, um, you know, recipe writer or whatever. And so the subset of a hundred books goes down to six for the ones that get used 75% of the time. And those can stay in the kitchen because you're using them 75% of the time. And then the rest of them become part of a library somewhere else. They go out of the kitchen and you get that valuable kitchen shelf space or cabinet space back for something else you need in the kitchen besides recipes. And if you suddenly decide it's Christmas and you need to go get this specialty Christmas cookbook out, then you go to your cookbook library in another room and pull out your cookbook that you need for the holiday. But it doesn't all have to stay in the kitchen. And I think filtering filtering the recipes for what you use as a go-to and what is just fun and collecting and entertainment and sometime use, there you go. That's the thing. Okay, and then now that you have filtered the cookbooks in theory, then you wanna find the perfect location for the recipe system. And I think everybody defaults to the kitchen because in theory, you're gonna use it in the kitchen and that kind of makes sense. But maybe it makes more sense that you keep the recipe system near where you actually clip recipes. So if you're not sitting down in the kitchen to clip recipes, if you're doing that in the living room or the den while you're watching television, that's when you flip the magazines or you go through the websites or you print things off in your office, then maybe the recipe collection system needs to be near where you clip, where you clip whatever clipping looks like so that you can add them into the system when you do it. And then when it's time to cook, you can take it from it's parking space and take it into the kitchen to work with it. You cook something where you're done, you go put the recipe system back where you clip recipes. Because I think that there's a disconnect between how often you add to the recipe book and how often you consult the recipe book. And so if you do, if you add to the recipe book more than you consult, then store it where you add not where you use. <laughs> Does that make sense? And if, you know, again, there's going to be recipes that are your go-tos. So you may want to have a small subset of, I cook this recipe for hamburger helper, according to grandma. And I cook this thing once a week because everybody in my family loves it. So if you have go-to recipes, that's not going to be all the recipes you kept. It's going to be this little small collection of 20 recipes that you cook all the time. Those can live in their own thing in the kitchen and the rest of your recipe collection system can be where you collect, if that makes sense. So <laughs> your 
lovely roommate who is one of my favorite cooks says <laughs> when I find find a recipe I like in a magazine or library book I snap a pic with my phone I've created a special recipe album in my phone camera that's another terrific lower tech solution exactly there it is and you can and then she has it when she goes shopping the recipe is right there she can consult it to buy ingredients and I think creative cooks um, some of them plan long term like you plan your week's worth of food but some creative cooks are like Ah, what do I feel like creative tonight? And so you don't worry about it until you're sort of on top of it. And if that's how you do it, then you have the recipe in the phone. And when you decide that tonight you feel like a cheese and chicken recipe, then you can go find one in the store and get what you need and you're ready to go. So I think uh, taking a photo and stashing it in your album is a great idea. And then it's available to you all the time. So make sure that you have a system. Now you've, we've done all this work to get you a system. So you need to use it and refine it as you find things about it that work or don't work, but you want to keep it up. So after all that fine sorting and corralling, it should be much easier to then add new things in, filter old things out and make it happen, make it be the system that you use going forward so that you don't end up with another pile on the shelf falling over onto your head i think that's a hilarious sorting trigger and um, hopefully your system will prevent you from having head injuries as a result of your recipes <laughs> oh okay that's my commentary on recipes today on the topic of um the initial round of keep toss diane said i now have an intolerance to some food so I will toss those out now. And that's a great point. You know, if, if you or someone in your family has developed an intolerance or um, even an allergy, because allergies, some allergies come on in your 30s or 40s. And right, 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 exactly. So you may have collected recipes once upon a time that you wouldn't cook now because you don't use green onions anymore. You don't cook with. You can't eat shrimp or you're not yeah, a gluten yeah. person anymore. Right. Yeah. All um, that. Bonnie said, I recently donated a stack of cookbooks. I only kept the ones that were from hometown organizations with tried and true recipes. The rest I donated. I can find a recipe for pretty much everything with a simple Google search. If I like it, then I save an electronic copy as PDF. And, and let's and see. And there you go. Someone also chimed in and said okara chimed in and said that that she uses notes for recipes as well so that makes two of us at least and <laughs> right. it's easy to locate when i want it and also to share with others when they ask that's which is that was one of the appeals of it to me so one of the right. things i've i've been doing one of my uh pandemic entertainments has been <laughs> experimenting with the instant pot we got an instant pot in march or so yeah and so i've been experimenting with what you know things to adapt to the instant pot things that i used to spend all day making that i now have instant pot versions and um you you know just like with a slow cooker with a pressure cooker you have to sometimes adapt the recipe like you can't um throw every you can't necessarily throw everything in there and put the lid on and hit go sometimes you have to pressure cook for a while and then add the things that are too fragile 
Oh yeah, yeah. For pressure okay. cooking, okay, or, or things that you don't want cooked down to to mush. Um, <laughs> and then there are things you can't put in at the same time. Like you can't it if you add too much acid to beans, dry beans. Yeah, they will never get soft. Oh. So you can't like throw tomatoes and vinegar in with your with your beans and at the first stage so you cook your beans with stock and then later on add tomatoes all that other stuff yeah vinegar citrus the things that acidify the taste right so um anyway sorry that was that was kind of a tangent but so, but the, but the tangent was you uh you know you adapt your recipes for the instapot which means that you keep the recipes for that and you you know, let the ones that are, you're going to use, cook some other way, maybe filter out. Oh yeah. And I know where I was going with that, which is, so I've, now I have this assemblage of instant pot recipes and we gave an instant pot as a gift to a, a cook friend of ours recently for her birthday. And I sent her three or four of my favorites. Instant of pot. your adaptive recipes. Yeah. Instant <laughs> pot chili and instant pot pinto beans and and some of those yeah. things. Um, awesome. We need to move along. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to come back to you for any final thoughts on recipes. But first, I want to remind our viewers and listeners that we have a YouTube channel, in case you didn't know that, that has more than 150 videos on a wide variety of wow. organizing topics. After a year of 2020, adding videos right. every week visit cfhou.com slash YouTube. While you're there, you can subscribe to the channel and then click on the bell icon next to the subscribe button if you'd like to get notifications when we post new content. I also want to remind people that you can hire Gail. It's a new, it's a new year. You it's might a new be year. kicking off new projects. And so if you're in the Houston area, you can visit clutterfairhouston.com and book an appointment. Um, you can also, even if you're not in the Houston area, work with Gail virtually. And so visit cfhou.com slash virtual to find out more about how that works. I love getting to meet you guys that way. It's so much fun for me. So please and come and play with me. You've been, I see that you've been doing a lot of that. And I, I, that's really terrific. I think that's, it's great that you can help people it's, all over the world. As long fun. as you, anybody you, that you can agree on a time that you're both awake, pretty much. <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> okay. Any, do you have any, any final thoughts on recipes? I think the final thought about recipes is that recipes are always a fine sorting project. They're like photographs. You have a million pieces. You have to look at each piece to make a decision and it's going to take you a while. So you may want to not try to do it all in one day. You might want to do it over a couple of weekends or something and give yourself the ability to thin the herd and actually pay attention to what you've captured because I know that you know that that big pile of recipes is not getting used and you're not actually finding things that you're saving when you want them because of that big bundle. So spend the time to actually get through the fine sorting process and create the recipe capture system that you've always had in your mind and thought you were going to do someday. Now's the time to try to do it and see if you can actually get a functional, usable, researchable, 
collection that you can look things up in that you can add things to and um, start trying some of the recipes you've been promising yourself promising yourself you're going to cook and you know we take uh, uh, food deliveries by mail <laughs> anybody wants to ship us <laughs> their experiments we're happy to try them <laughs> okay there, what, that's my final thought <laughs> one one more off-topic question kathleen asked what does your shirt say and so if you can read this what does it say oh you're too close to me <laughs> oh sorry i'm crinkled yes yeah if you can read this you're too close to me <laughs> yeah it's my That's pandemic it. it's my pandemic t-shirt but it would have been your curmudgeonly t-shirt and not in the pandemic it's it would true have worked. <laughs> it's true i really didn't like contact with other people that much before the pandemic but okay exactly now if you've stuck with us this far it's time for this week's homework assignment Ooh. and in this new weekly segment we're going to shine a bright light on one specific clutter problem area. We recognize that this weekly assignment is not going to apply to everyone every week, but I think that, you know, we're going to, every week we're going to cover an area that's a problem for some specific subset of our viewers. We're going to ask questions designed to identify how and why these areas trip people up. And then we'll offer action items to help you get those trouble spots under control. And so, Gail. So this one came, this was um, suggested in some of our conversations. And the idea is that you, everything needs to have a place. So we want a place for everything. And your homework assignment is to pick an item that you frequently lose track of. I can't find my wallet. I can't find my keys. I can't find my phone or purse. I can't find the recipe for my favorite hamburger helper. <laughs> Whatever that thing is, think about something that you lose all the time or you lose track of every day and you want to be able to give it a new resting place. It needs to have a new home. So the antidote that from Kara in Zoom last month was that she remembered that a flight attendant announced when they were getting on the plane and she said here's a nice reminder to put your driver's license back where you expect to find it the next time you look for it and she said that she had never forgotten that and I thought this is a great example of there's something in your life that you want to keep up with and you always lose it so pick that thing go pick a place for it to go and practice and concentrate on using that place every day and see if you can add that habit to your life and that shift will give you some productivity. It can reduce your stress. If you can always get your keys when you're ready to go out the door without having to spend 50 minutes looking or having a panic attack about, oh, my God, where's the phone? Those things are distracting and disruptive, and they get in the way of you going about your productive day. And so pick an item, pick its place, and practice using that place and getting used to using it. And the reason we say one thing is because you, you only want to make one habit change here. That's the homework assignment. And uh, when you come back next week, maybe you can tell us how it went. Were you able to adapt? Were you able to add the habit? Were you able to find a place for it? And if you tried and failed a place, then tell us about it also so that we can troubleshoot and give you some alternative options. We can help you modify to get to something that works for you. Can't wait to hear what y'all pick. 
Okay. And now here's the contest we talked about. Oh, right. So the contest is we think that homework assignment is a little bit prosaic as a name. It's way too the, dull and way not for this, enough. this segment. And we haven't come up with one we like better yet. So we wanted to open this up. We wanted to crowdsource a name for this segment of the, of the webcast and podcast. And so please, let's see, where are we going to put that? I guess you can comment on the YouTube video or the facebook the facebook right uh, or you can send page. us an email or yeah just send an email to do we have this hold up the email uh one which oh, is that's not it hold on hold on okay i got the website uh, okay do we not have a send us an email uh, no. sign we don't no. i thought we had a send, no, no. send us an email sign so sorry okay um yeah, well, you can, the at clutterfairhouston.com, we have a comment, a contact us form, and you could send it to us that way. Yeah. So yeah, we want no your email. suggestions uh, for a name for this, this segment. And the winner, as selected by our panel of experts, which will be Gail and Ed and probably a few, few friends. Whoever else we rope into it. <laughs> um, the winning choice, the, the, the person who suggests the winning entry will receive a one hour virtual organizing session with Gail as a prize. Yay. So There's come up with incentive. those ideas and send them to us. Right. We want you guys to help us make this fun. Okay. Okay. We are really running out of time now. I want to remind everybody that we'll meet next week, Tuesday, January 12th, 2021 at noon U.S. Central Time, live in Zoom and streaming on Facebook. I will have turned a year older. <laughs> and it's almost birthday time. It is. If you're watching this on YouTube, we'd love for you to join us live. To get no, I need to uh, spotlight you. I didn't ever spotlight you today because well, you're that's holding all right. up. You had, you had a bunch to talk about. You're, but you're holding up signs. And so you need uh, to be spotlighted now. And so um, we'd love for you to join us live to get notifications about upcoming events. We invite you to join the meetup group by visiting cfhou.com slash meetup. Um, you can also follow us on Facebook by going to cfhou.com slash Facebook or subscribe to our mailing list by visiting cfhou.com slash subscribe. There you go. We love to hear from you. So keep those questions and topic suggestions coming in the YouTube comments on Facebook or anywhere else that you find us. And you can reach us through our website at clutterfairhouston.com. And there um, was a request for an email address. And so I think I, we can say it on here. You can send email to clutterfairhouston at gmail.com and that will get to us as well. Uh, you could also actually, you know what, people could use <clears throat> TCFW, uh, T, sorry, TFCW, TCFW, I was right the first time, the Clutter Fairy Weekly at clutterfairhouston.com. It works, okay. We'll reach both of us actually, so that's kind of a good one. I'll put, I'm going to put that in the uh, TCFW at clutterfairyhouston. In the notes somewhere. I'm putting that in the, the chat and I'll also include that in the show notes. 
Okay. I might cool. even, if I get my act together fast enough, I'll, I can even put some, put a special link on the site where you can send us our, send us your <laughs> suggestions for the segment name, the contest. Uh, all right. <laughs> In case people couldn't tell, Gail and I did not have our act quite as together this week as usual. We, um, we have a million great ideas churning for, for future topics and we promise that we will put our heads together and put together a calendar soon. And we'll see you next week. All right. Happy holidays and happy new year to everybody. So glad that you came to visit us today and we'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye. Bye.